And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John the Greg Hardy thing yesterday. What went through your mind when you when you saw that? Honest to God, the first thing that went through my mind is, "Oh no, not again!" <laughs> all right, and I, and I say that let, I'm going to give you a story. Okay. All right, because I'm going to go back to August 21st of 2010. I was in Houston, Texas, with Strike Force, mm-hmm. and to give you just a little semblance of that card, you know this this is a card that had. Tim Kennedy on it, uh, Jacare. That they were in, they were fighting each other. You had Mo Lal against uh, Feijao at the time, Rafael Cavalcante. Um, God, Bobby Lashley was on it. Dan Cormier was on it. I mean, it had some fighters on this card, but there was an instance that occurred, and it was KJ Noons who was fighting George Gurgel, and KJ Noons pulls in this oxygen thing that he had shown me and he had shown it to me earlier. And he said, Hey John, can I use this between rounds? And I said, absolutely not. You cannot use that. That's illegal. He goes, it's just air. It's just oxygen. I said, KJ, it's, it's something that you're trying to get an advantage with. No, you have to breathe the air that's in the arena. And then he goes to, I guess the Texas state athletic commission at the time and they tell him, yes, you can use it. So I'm not I'm not even the referee of his fight. And all of a sudden, between rounds, I see in the corner KJ Noons using this oxygen bottle and, you know, taking yeah. hits off of yep. it, let's say. And I go to the commission and I go, You cannot allow that to happen. And you know, and, they, and they go, Yeah, we we told him he could do it. I go, you realize that you are allowing him to take something that's going to give him an advantage, right? And they go, oh, it's just oxygen. Well, then later on, King Mo does the yeah. same thing against against Feijal. And in the end, the Texas State Athletic Commission took a beating over this oxygen bottle because it's unfair. And yeah. now I go, I go to what occurs here in Boston, and a lot of it has to do with the the guy who ends up doing this. Because I went through my entire athletic career having asthma. It's a problem, but it's something you have to learn to deal with. Randy Couture went through his entire wrestling and fight career with asthma. And you have got to figure out how to control it. Now, it can be controlled. A lot of it is mental, but... It, it definitely affects you in the fight, but unfortunately, too bad. You cannot, you in the back, he can take that pre-fight because it's not something that is against the rules as far as a USADA or a person, you know, or a PD, PED violation. Mm-hmm. So in the back before the fight, before he comes out, he can take it. If you remember, Randy Couture used to put a mask on his face because in the early UFC, they used to put out this smoke mm-hmm. that would, you know, be filtering through to make it look, you know, dramatic as yeah. someone entered it, and that stuff would give him asthma. So he would put a cover over his face. So when you have Greg Hardy, the problem with this entire thing is this is un- unfortunate for Greg Hardy. He doesn't deserve it. He asked, "Can I use my inhaler?" And a 
person, an inspector, and when you are that inspector, you're the inspector, you're the judge, you're the referee, whatever, you are an arm of the commission. You are a representative of that commission. And so he's not trying to cheat. In fact, Dan Cormier on air was saying, that's cheating. Okay? I just want to give Dan a little remembrance of a like pushing down on a towel. Okay, don't, don't <laughs> sit there. And, oh, that's he great. That's he great. asked the question, can I take my inhaler? That inspector said, is it allowed? Meaning, you know, drug-wise, he says, yes, it's USADA approved, and it is. He can take it under USADA for his asthma. It's albuterol. And Dean Thomas says, I have it in my pocket. Now, Dean should know better and say, no, you can't have that right now. But he doesn't know, especially when he's listening to a representative of the commission telling him, yeah, it's okay. They give it to Greg. He takes one or two puffs on it. He goes back out in the fight, and that is an advantage that he can't have. Part of, you know, fighting is you've got to deal with it. It's, It's, you know... They give you water. They don't give you, you know, certain things. And this goes back into boxing long ago. You can remember Panama Lewis, Aaron Pryor, fought against Alexis Arguello and was getting beat. And Panama Lewis brings a bottle. He says, give me the special bottle. And they figured out it was actually cocaine. And he actually pours that and has him drink that that little concoction. Wow. And this is when the whole thing of, oh, only water, you know, no Gatorade even and stuff. Yeah. So I feel I feel bad for Greg Hardy. I really do because, you know, he got a win, even though, you know, it wasn't impressive the way he wanted it to be. But the question is, how would he have performed after being told, no, you can't take it? And now going into that, he lost that last round, no doubt. So... Would it have been a different round? Would it would the fight have been different if he hadn't been able to take in that albuterol? Because that albuterol, no matter what, it's a stimulant. You know, I take it, and it will make you. It'll open up your lungs, and you can perform better. So my so. Qu- my question: What's the difference between taking it during the fight? Because I, I have sports induced asthma as well, and so I okay. would I would take it twenty minutes, about twenty minutes before I would walk out, and it was appro- yep. it's approved by the commission. Yes, like the doctor. It's not, everything. It's not cheating. Yeah, it's not cheating. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I just want to know what because like, I never knew that you. I knew that I just I never wanted my corner to like whip it out in, in the corner and be like, yeah, let me get some. I always felt yeah. like you know I always felt like right before the fight was plenty. I never it wasn't that severe, but I just dude I did realize I couldn't get deep breaths. Yep. You know when I was fighting and in, in some fights, <clears throat> um, but I obviously through the fight just worked through it. But in the back, even when I was hitting mitts and warming up, I don't know if it was just like the excitement of the fight, whatever it was. But like you said, some of it is mental. A lot, you know, it could be mental. Um, where I just felt like I needed to make sure that I had. Um, and mine was clembuterol. Clembuterol? Versus. <laughs> yeah. it, anyway, no, yours was not clembuterol. Yeah, um, I don't know. I know. I know Al, is, is it albuterol? Albuterol is, okay. is the actual. So it doesn't matter if it's ventolin or prevental or okay. all these different yeah, types of. Anyways of brands it's albuterol, albuterol is the ingredient okay it used to be you could used to get it primatine mist you could get over the counter yeah you know and uh i it's uh it's unfortunate i i feel bad for greg hardy because he didn't do anything in trying to cheat yeah he asked a question can i do this someone that is part of that 
commission, that's a representative, tells him yes, and then he does it, and right away, you know, Dan came out and says, I don't think you can do that. They, they got Mark Ratner on the air. Mark Ratner says, no, that is illegal. You cannot do that, and that was good that he said it because you can't. But, I mean, uh, it's one of those the shame on the Massachusetts Athletic Commission because if you don't have your people trained to know the right thing, you know, I, I tell guys all the time, whenever I'm training people, I said, look, this is as simple as it gets. If you don't know the answer, say, I don't know. Don't fake it. Don't sit there and give a bullshit answer that you're not sure is right or wrong. If you don't know, say, I don't know, and go find out. There's someone that will know. And this guy, you know, whatever, as the inspector, he just cost that guy a win on his record based upon bad information. Yeah, question is, does he get paid his win money? Well, that's a good question. I don't know if he ends up in the end gets it because now he doesn't get a win. And that's it's it's really funny that you know they're coming out saying that, oh, it's been overturned to a no contest. Mm -hmm. No athletic commission after the fight has been over and then announced, and he was announced the winner. I mean, many times you're going to have so you know a fight announced. This fight is a no contest. Boom, you know, based upon whatever it is. But he was announced the winner, and so normally it takes an actual meeting of that athletic commission to overturn that decision. And they're saying already that oh no, it's been overturned. It's like wow, you guys are trying to get rid of this fast because you screwed the pooch. Just. Saying it like it is. Yeah. I do remember the strike force uh, scenario where they were taking hits off of like the little spray can uh, oxygen yep. tanks. I do remember yeah. that. And then um, you are right. They did. They got murdered. The Texas. Uh, that was in Austin, I believe. Right. Uh, was it in Austin, Austin or Houston? I was maybe, thinking it was, maybe Houston. it was Houston. Maybe it was Houston. It was Houston. I, I was. I was actually there at that event. Yeah, they they got they got murdered all over social media. They got. Oh murdered. yeah. They got murdered in the media and the everything. They got. And they should have. Yeah, they got destroyed. They should have. It, um, it was absolutely, and I, you know, and I'm not saying I'm the the guy that knows it all, but I told him, no, you can't have that happen. And oh yeah, it's okay. And then after they got beat up, they're like, oh, we're never gonna let that happen again. It's like, man. And I do recall, know your sport. I do recall the water bottle scenario with the boxer as well, where he yep. said, no, no, he he tried, his corner tried to give him one water bottle. He was he pushed that one aside. He was no, give me the other one. Yep, give me the special one. He's giving me that one. So then he gave him that and one. That, that, well, Panama Lewis, that's the guy. Go back to a story of there was a fight in New York, Louis Resto against Billy Collins, where Louis Resto had his gloves altered by his corner. That's Panama Lewis, the same guy that gave that little concoction to Aaron Pryor. Wow. That's a dirty dog. Wow. That's crazy, yep. man. It's crazy to think that way. Uh, I, do, I do not feel sorry for Greg Hardy. Um <laughs> <laughs> of course you don't. That that should be no. Why? That should be no surprise to you. Um, <laughs> I, I a little okay. What did he do wrong? He didn't do anything wrong. Tell I just don't feel sorry. Then for why him. don't you feel sorry for him? I I actually um I just don't. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I reserve the right. I reserve the I right. I reserve the right to have no compassion for anyone. To say that I for some reason I just I'm not on the I'm not on the Greg Greg Hardy bandwagon and I'm gonna keep it to myself. But I don't I. I, I do understand that he asked. He got the wrong yeah. answer. He, he didn't try to cheat. I didn't think. I, I'm not saying he tried to cheat. 
I just don't have any compassion for the young man. Okay, and, right. and I'm okay with that. And and, and I'm going to go ahead and probably take a couple. Well, I'm glad you're okay with that. I I just look. Look, I'm not. This has nothing to do with him as a person or anything. I look at it as. Did that man try to cheat? No, no, he didn't. He didn't try to cheat. No. He tried to. He tried to find something out. He was given information. He he benefited from that information, so he took that, you know, inhaler. But he didn't try to cheat. Did DC try to cheat when he pushed down the towel? Fuck <laughs> yes. <laughs> DC's gonna he's gonna crucify me for this little comment. Yeah, you oh. know he did, brother. Oh, that was and, and, I, and hold it. It all comes back to the same thing I tell everyone. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Oh man. All right. I understand why I did it. It was you know, the, I can tell you the New York State Athletic Commission afterwards, you know, they you know, I was I did that fight mm. and they came to me and said, Do you think he cheated? I said, No, I don't think he cheated. I know he cheated. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I explained everything to them and they and I said this is what you need to do and they have fixed that will never happen when someone yeah. tries it again but hey good for Dan he got away with it got it um okay so I wanted to bring up uh, did you want to talk about any of the fights from the fights uh from the fights yesterday did yeah. you want to talk you know about I, would, I would like to I, I want to know your opinion on I've known Dominic Reyes for since he was an amateur mm -hmm. in California and he was he was champion of there was a promotion that was done in California great promotion as amateurs it was called U of MMA mm -hmm. guy named Turi Altavia who used to work for Pride he was uh, one of the founders of it along with a guy named Jay Tan they just put on this great show that was in the Nokia th um, the Nokia Club not the Nokia Theater the no Nokia Club down in uh, right at the Staples Center and was just a great promotion, did a great job. And Dominic Reyes first came there, started fighting, became their champion. And I was like, damn, this kid is good. He's athletic. He is fast. He's long. He's got the build that we talk about, man. That's the yeah. build to have. And he always had these devastating kicks. Even in the amateurs, it was like, oh, my God, that guy can kick. And so going into you know his career, it's, it's very nice to see him doing so well. And you know he's remained undefeated throughout his career. And uh, I thought Chris was going to have a hard time with him. Mm -hmm. I really did. I, I thought if Chris, you know, could get him down and keep him down, Chris had a good chance of of uh, wearing him out and beating him in a in that five round fight that way. Mm -hmm. But I thought, it, you know, man, if Chris is standing on his feet for you know just you know, I, I said over a round, he's going to have a problem. And it happened fast. That was a beautiful left hand that he hit him on the button with, and then he put him out twice with the hammer fist. He woke him up with another one, yeah. put him out. And uh, just a beautiful performance by Dominic. And, you know, you, you got to give him credit, and you got to say, hey, he might be the he might be the guy that can give John problems because, you know, right away the first guy that gave John problems was someone who was tall in Alexander Gustafson mm -hmm. and, you know, caused him to have to change what he was doing. And... Dominic Reyes does things differently than what Alex does. He approaches the fight differently, and I honestly believe that he's more athletic than Alex. And oh, for sure. I think think it's going to be a very good matchup if they put it together. Yeah, I think um, the new generation of guys, DC had touched on this a little bit uh, last night as well. The new generation of guys are taller, longer, more athletic. We're seeing more of the guys that that couldn't make it in the pros, like Dominic Reyes had said. I guess he had imagined himself playing in the NFL, and it didn't, yeah. it didn't make it. He's a damn defensive back, if you can believe that. You know what I mean? And so that's <laughs> that's what we're getting. We're getting a, so he was a defensive back. That means that he was 
pretty athletic to be. A yeah, he was back. right at that level. You know what I mean? If you're at that level, went to college, captain of his team, and that size—that's impressive. I mean, very impressive. Oh. Look, he's, he's southpaw. That poses a little bit of a threat. Changes the way the dynamic of how guys approach John Jones. John yep. Jones having to fight someone who's a southpaw versus someone who's conventional. DC's conventional. Other guys that he's fought have mainly been conventional. Um, the I've always felt the guys that will give him the hardest time are the guys that are, like are Alex or long, rangy. Because when he fought Alex the first time, even when he fought him the second time, it took him a second to get used to the range. Because what that happens is John's used to just dipping his head back and being out of range or just pushing his hand on your forehead like yep. you know, like a bigger brother does to a kid. Okay, now yeah. you can't hit me and I can hit you. Well, yep. you, you can't do that with Dominic Reyes. No. You know? And you can't do that with – you couldn't do that with Alex Gustafson. You couldn't do that with him either. And so that's why he had such a hard time with him. But I also feel that towards the end when Alex lost to him the second time, Alex wasn't as busy as he was the first time they fought. He wasn't as good as he was the first time they He also fought. wasn't trying to be the complete MMA fighter. He was trying to box yep. with John Moore. And you, you're, you're trying to box against a guy that's more of a kickboxer in, in his stand-up style. And if you can't dictate that range, you're going to be in trouble. You've got to be able to get inside of that kickboxing range and all those kicks that he likes to throw and... That was a big difference in that fight. But let's not also forget, though, in the first fight, Alex was taking John Jones down. That's what I mean. Yeah. Complete MMA fighter, yeah. making it to where he had to deal with more elements. Yep. So um, <clears throat> I think Dominic Reyes has that in him. There's another guy. Johnny Walker is also a very tall, long, lanky yep. guy. So you're having that newer generation of guys that are kind of coming up that I think are going to give him a problem. <clears throat> John also, to me, hasn't looked the same. Um since being back from the suspension. Now, I'm obviously, I'm not a big fan of John Jones and because of the cheating, but I simply think that has he been cheating that long that now it's this is what we're getting the result of? Because we see it a little bit. I've, I've always felt this way. We see it a little bit also with Anderson Silva. Look, I'm not discrediting how athletic these two guys are. John, <laughs> there's no there's no doubt John yeah. Jones is probably the most athletic guy that's ever stepped foot into that cage. I'm there's I'm not I don't want people at home to think that I'm trying to discredit the fact that he's genetically just an amazing athlete. Look at his two brothers. I mean, you can't see yeah. <laughs> I, I asked I asked his dad one time, I said, You just gotta tell me what was in the water at yeah. your house. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, oh. um, but then when I when I relate him to his two brothers, I believe one, I don't think the other one has, but one of them has also popped for, for steroids also in the NFL. I think, I think both. They both now? Okay, so Yeah, it time, might be both. Yeah, so. I, I, know the old, I know the older brother did, you know, but I'm not sure. I know I, Chandler had some problems, but I'm not sure exactly what the, uh, yeah. what it was. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want to, but I just know that one of them had been in trouble for PEDs and, and anyways, that. The, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Big brother, little brother, friends. You got you you know family. You talk. You know, and yeah. so look, all those things aside, I'm not discrediting the fact that there's no doubt Anderson Silva and him were extremely, extremely athletic. But I think that now what you're seeing with the younger guys that are coming up, you got the Dominic Reyes and you've got um Johnny Walker, um <clears throat> even uh Anthony Thiago. Smith. Huh? Thiago Santos. Yeah, Santos not. Thiago Santos is he's he's long. He's six foot three. Anthony Smith, like you're saying, he's six foot four. Yeah, these are all longer, yep. bigger guys, bigger reach. They can do some things that you know guys with a shorter reach. It, it takes them a lot more work 
yep. to get to where they need to be. Yeah, they're gonna have they're gonna they're gonna have a hard time. I think they're gonna have a hard time with John's athleticism, the way he mixes things up and changes the front thigh kick with the elbows, reaching in with the. He has ways of mixing it up, which makes him so dangerous. Um, but I do think that these guys are. You're gonna start seeing closer fights, like we saw with the Santos fight, with these this younger generation of guys coming up. Yeah, well, that's just you know you you of all people know. And I was, I was talking, I have my, my father-in-law's over and he's talking to me about the fights and stuff. And, and he's saying, he says, you know, do you think they're going to put together, you know, and there was, he was talking about Conor McGregor cause he saw a picture of Conor McGregor with the Russian thing and mm-hmm. Khabib and him are kind of going back and forth. I go, I said, uh, it's possible they could end up back. He says, you know, do you think it's ever that Conor can win that fight? I said, Oh, absolutely. He can win that fight. Mm-hmm. I go, you need to understand it's like percentages and it's, you know, the, it's not even one percent. It's you know zero point you know zero fives. You know th- this is a little bit. I said, and all you got to do is make that one little change that creates a, a different scenario. Khabib can't push the pace on Connor. Can't bring him into a certain. I said, absolutely, Connor can win. I go. That's why you fight the fights, and each fight is different. I go, but you know it's a matter of can you do it to him? And right now. No one has done that to John, and no one has done that to Khabib, mm-hmm. and it's going to take that special fighter to write the blueprint that beats that person. Because if you can go back, you know, I talk about like you know, Mirko Krokop was just as we would say, murking mm-hmm. everybody when he was in Pride. Yep. You know, it was the whole right leg go to the hospital, left leg go to the cemetery. Yep. Until this guy named Fedor Emelianenko wrote the blueprint on how to beat Mirko at the time, and then all of a sudden everybody was beating Krokop. Yeah, you know because once people see how it's done, then they can try to emulate that style, that system. But you got to be the guy to do it, and that's that's not easy. It's like it's you know the running of the you know, the four minute mile. Once Roger Bannister did it quickly bunch of other people did it yeah. but until such time someone does it a lot of people up here they're not sure it can be done yep yep i agree no i agree um any other fights on the card i thought jeremy stevens and yard rodriguez put on one hell of a fight jeremy showed so much he got hit by that body kick Ugh. and you knew when he went down it was like oh he ain't breathing no and so he, he's got to try to fight while he's not breathing and he makes his way through it and comes back in the fight mm-hmm. and wins the third round my hat off to the little heathen because that dude is just nails tough. He is a stud. He's got no quit in him. You know, and just just that in a microcosm for all the people that said, oh, you know, he wanted out of the 15 seconds he had with Yara in the beginning. Take that and stuff that up your ass, okay? Because <laughs> he just showed how tough it. he is. He got no quit in him. What a great performance by both guys. Yair was throwing some freaking heat and some just crazy techniques at times that you look and you go, not a whole lot of guys can do what he's doing right now. So that was a great fight too, but that's good. um, To put it all on the table, I'm not a big fan of Yair Rodriguez. Uh, Never really was. (laughs) And uh, it's just, it's it's more of a, you know, when he left, when he left the UFC. Do you have anybody you like? Is there yeah, anybody I, you like? I mean, yeah. seriously. Hater. Well, I mean, like, uh, I'm good. For, I, I'm good friends with you. And we have. Well, we we seem. We seem to like shows, each other. Which shows you <laughs> might be lacking in certain areas. 
<laughs> yeah, I, this probably maybe possibly possibly. Uh, no, I just um yeah. yeah, I think because like he tried to play hardball with the UFC, and then when he didn't, like he, then he came groveling back. I, I just I kind of felt like really just it kind of I kind of I liked him a little bit before that. Yeah, but I kind of just lost a little bit of respect for him, and then since then I've kind of like eh, if you win, I don't care if you lose. Uh, it's kind of cool, you know. Um, but no, and I, not to mention I I'm a huge fan of Jeremy Stevens, and I've always been. Yeah, one. I've, yeah. How do you not too. like the guy? The guy always comes out gunslinging and i honestly became a really good friend of his one time uh we were both cutting weight for a fight for the same time but he had to get to 45 it was like one of his first fights getting to 45 and i was like man i don't know how you do it you're like bigger than me and i, I mean i was like already almost in tears trying to make 55 and this dude's got another 12 pounds to go and i'm like no way you're out of your damn mind but no last night i, I tweeted about it He's a fucking savage. Like you, yep. everyone knows when you take a body kick like that, the yeah. rest of whatever else happens doesn't matter. You just want out. You want to be able to breathe. You want some. You want you want someone to pump oxygen in you as soon as you possibly get kicked. You're like, oh, get it, get it, you know. And he fought through it. I've also oh. uh, and I just there's not there's nothing I could say to tell you how people should understand how miraculous that was like that was awesome to see him fight through it take some shots he fought a little bit more took a couple shots covered up fought a little bit more covered up like he just was he was doing it in segments trying to get the leg couldn't get he, everything he did during that time i just was like dude you i was in awe i was in strict yep. i was strictly in awe of that guy and everything he did and that's this is why i'm a huge fan of him 100 percent. Right. i think it, i think of guys that when I sit back and I and guys that will always be in my mind when I'm done, when I'm done, possibly maybe not watching fights anymore, or whatever it is, is Frankie Edgar and the Gray Maynard fights, you know, um, it definitely um, Jeremy Stevens. I mean, there's just guys that in your mind you remember of the things that they've done in the sport, and you're just like, and I'm in awe of them. And I'm like Frankie Edgar with the Gray Maynard fights. I'm in awe. I'm just, I, I go back and I watch those fights. I'm like, this is insane to think that someone could take that much punishment, come back and win the way he did, or come back and have you know the performances that he did. Just yep. absolutely uh, throws me off and and uh, makes me fans for the rest of their lives. You know, and uh, he's one of them. He's Jeremy Stevens is one of those guys. And I, I agree. I always love watching him fight. I, I think you know, no matter what you know, happened in that fight, Yair walks away with the victory. I think Jeremy picked up a, just a couple more fans. You think just just a couple? Um, yeah. All in all, the, that whole that whole card I thought was actually pretty well. We had ran into I had ran into Molly McCann in um, in Dublin, and I had never met her before. Little ball of fire. She's a, just great personality, everything. But I had never seen her fight. I'd seen her fight a long time ago, and I don't recall being like kind of like overwhelmed, like impressed with her. But then last night I watched her, and I was like. You've gotten a lot better, damn. and I was like, "Damn, you got some, yeah. you got, you got some cojones on you, girl." And I just was like, "It was, I was very impressed." She came to fight, and she's a game. Man, a she just she just walked forward like yep. you are nothing to me. Yep, I was like, it, "Just, uh, there's nothing you can say." It's a great performance. It was, as you said, big cojones yeah. on a very small female fighter but yeah. man i'll tell you what she she lit her up oh, yeah i agree i agree I mean, everything about her was very impressive i uh i'd like to see what their next step is i'm excited for her and and uh like i said it makes it a lot easier 
to root for someone after you've met them. You see how great their personality oh. is. And, uh, and and fighters are generally that way. I just, until I get to meet them and know them, I'm a little like, okay, yeah, you're a good fighter. You know, but I like, you know, when you meet them, you become connected to them automatically. I think that goes for most sports people, right? You, you meet them. Yeah. Oh, okay, I root for you now. But with her, when I met her in Dublin, she was just running around doing everything she could for um, uh, Leah um what was her name? Oh, uh, Irish girl? Yes, Leah. Um, I, I want to say McCourt. McCourt, yeah. So Leah McCourt, she was running around doing whatever she could for her to help her for, get ready for her fight. And then there she is fighting a couple weeks later. Just awesome, man. Just awesome. Yeah. I, I really loved it. Um, other than that, uh, I think we're going to do some fan questions because you and a couple I- couple fan questions here. Let's do it. Yeah, you're flying out in a little bit, right? Oh, no. Oh. I get to fly out tomorrow. Oh, okay, okay. But I, 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 have to, I have to be somewhere tonight or I'm in deep trouble, okay. so- that, you don't gotta tell me. I'm gonna Go take uh, producer privileges real quick. Hashtag producer privileges and just ask a quick question um, about the Paige Van Zandt situation. So she said that she's been ready to fight for about four weeks now, but she basically she's been held hostage. And I wanted to just get you guys' take on what's what's the UFC's obligation here to get her a fight, and then uh, what's Paige's options if they don't. Real quick, real quick. It's kind of funny how the producer uses his thing to insert Paige Van Zant. <laughs> I mean, it just got it's just kind of funny, right? It's like, anyways, go ahead, John. You want to touch on it because I could give the well. I think I think this is this comes back, and you can see this has happened multiple times with fighters and the UFC. Paige has come out saying that she's not going to just sign a mm -hmm. new contract. Yep, she's going to go out and test the market, see what her value is. And the UFC doesn't like that. It, that's understandable. They want to. They want things as easy as they can get it, and I, I can understand that. And she wants to go out and say, "I want to see what I'm worth." So many times they have put you know fighters on the bench and made them wait because they do have to pay them. They have to offer them so many fights, or pay them if they have not offered them fights. They have to, you know, get three fights a year usually is what's on the contract. And if they're not offered the fight, now if they're offered a fight and they turn it down, then it's like, well, you turned it down. We offered it to you. You know, you can't count that as we didn't give you a fight. We tried. You turned it down. So I don't know what's happening as far as has she turned anything down, what they're offering her or anything like that. But if she is turning a fight down, they're just going to let her sit for as long as they can that's just the way it works so this is how it's done okay what happens is once you're on your last fight they try to wait as long as they possibly can to make sure to try to get you to resign because they don't want you to go out yep. to, to bellator and to one no they don't want, and, they don't want and you to test the free value. market agency you want to know why because you will get paid more and they know that and then because the ufc puts their fighters into a bracket we don't care if you're the top two or three or five or 15 you're we have categories on what you deserve to be paid during that time in your career you have six fights you're ranked in the top 14 okay well we're going to pay you 52,000 52,000 and 52,000 once you get into the top you know three or four it doesn't matter if you're still in that top three or four and you're still in that contract that's what you're getting paid so what she's trying to do is she's trying to capitalize and make as much money as you can what the ufc is doing is which is very smart is they're trying to drag her out and to see if she's stupid with her money okay and they're going to force her to take some fights and they're going to say like hey if, you know if you're done with your money you run out of money you're going to come back to us and take whatever we give you you know, and you're going to try to re-sign right away and we're going to sign you for three more fights. 
this goes into the another topic which we're going to touch touch on another time when we have more time i want this is a real in-depth conversation but this goes into why i want people under to understand fighters that leave the ufc they don't leave because they think they're getting too old or they're washed up or they're not good anymore <laughs> okay they leave because they leave for more money and sometimes they leave because they don't like to be compared to guys when they are a girl so there's another reason why they leave so they fighters what the ufc does is they put them they try to paint you into a corner and they try to see if you'll come out from hiding so you'll fight whoever they put in front of you and if they don't, if they offer you a fight and you don't take that fight, it extends your fight, your contract for four to six months. Now, they did that. They try, And I'm going to give you guys a for instance. They tried to do that with me after I beat Nate Diaz. And they said, hey, we want you to fight. I was supposed to fight Pettis. After I, uh, I had signed the contract, I was ready to fight. We were a couple weeks away. Pettis pulled out with an injury. Okay. Then they tried to give me somebody I had never heard of, a really tough guy. And I had never heard of him and wasn't ranked in the top 15. And I said, no, I'll give me a top five guy and I will fight. Okay. And then they said, well, fine. You can sit on the bench fucking for six months. Bob Cook, my manager, told him exactly what I tell I said, Josh is really good with his money. He'll sit out as long as he needs until Pettis is ready to fight. And so then that a week later, I got offered the Benson fight. When you put in the, when you, when you let them know up front, Hey, I'm good with my money. I have time and I can sit around and wait as long as I need to wait for the right opponent or the right contract to come along or fight. Then they'll generally try to fight you, you know? And, um, with her, they're trying to hold on to her as long as they can. She's still going to test the free market agency. I, I think there's no doubt about it. And uh, and I think once she does, she'll be gone. I don't think she's going to stick around there. You know, um, fighters don't like to be down-talked by their president. They don't like to be, you know, uh, trashed when they start to lose a fight or they, they're not considered the king anymore, right? As someone just put, <laughs> someone just put out there. What the are you thing. saying? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and people don't like when the president like talks about how you are socially awkward with females and other people just because now you're not winning fights anymore. So, um, and it's, <laughs> and they wonder why fighters leave. No, they don't leave because they're not good. Josh, anymore. are you saying you don't, you don't agree with Dana White? No, I don't agree with that's Dana what White. I'm hearing. <laughs> But I think that fighters leave out fighters leave outside because for a lot of other reasons outside of just they don't want to fight in the UFC anymore because they're they, they, oh, people well. think they're not good and so well people have to understand Dana's got a job yes you know and I understand his job and his job is to be a promoter and the thing that cracks me up is people believe that oh I'm I'm going to believe what a promoter said a promoter is going to say what benefits him and his promotion at the time and then two months later he'll flop 180 degrees and say something else and that's what promotion is you know it's getting you to believe in something and dana does a great job at that but where fighters make the mistake is this is they confuse and and i was given this line by someone you know that was very close to the ufc you guys can kind of try to figure out who it is but he, i was told john you need to understand friendship is friendship and business is business he goes, but business will always beat friendship. And, I, and it just took me, I was like, oh shit, that's a whole different level. I look at things completely different. I would do something for my friend before I would do something business-wise that would hurt them. And fighters need to understand fighting is a business. If you think that 
your friendship that you think you have with somebody is more important than the business end of this and the money, you're making a huge mistake. Yeah, it's very strange that that happens, that fighters tend to link into thinking and believing that the the friendship of, oh, I'll take care of you if you sign this contract. Oh, yeah. It doesn't happen that way. No, can't. You know, you know we've seen that as simple as as simple as it gets. Times. Matt Hughes and Chuck Liddell were going to be taken care of for the rest of their lives, weren't they? Yeah, as yeah, long very true. as we're very and, true. And, and I understand. I understand where they get away with it because it was as long as we are in charge of the UFC. As soon as they sold, what happened to Matt Hughes and Chuck Liddell's little contracts? Say goodbye. Gone. Yeah. So. Exactly. It's it, business is business, and you got to understand it. That's just the way it is. All right, next question. Come on. Let's go questions. All right. So the next question is from Ben, and he asks, is there any truth behind the rumor that Masasi and Lovato 2 is going to happen in Japan in December? Uh, even if it's not true, what are y'all's early thoughts on the rematch? Go, Josh. Uh, I don't know about any rumors of them fighting in Japan. Maybe you can confirm that. Uh, I don't know. It does make sense, though. My personal is that because Masashi's a star in Japan after all of his past fights. I mean, people love him there. He's a star. Um, it does make sense. Second, uh, as far as the outcome of that next fight, it depends. There's been a lot of talk that Musashi is going to potentially offer Lovato Jr. to take uh, the what's called Vada, which is the voluntary amateur, right? Voluntary anti-doping agency, and we and that will kind of I think make everything an equal ground if um if Lovato Jr. decides to go ahead and do it, and I think that that will get I, I think things were equal the first time. I mean, it was it yeah. just it did you know just a matter of that. I think it'll set everyone's mind at ease, especially Musasi's. <laughs> That well, that it was a fair fight, you know. At least someone can't come out and just say something. If it's if you if you do it, then it's like shut your mouth. Here it is, yep. boom. Exactly. And I like that, you know. And I, and if if Gegard challenges him to that, I hope Lovato picks up that gauntlet and runs with it and does it and shows everyone, hey, this is called technical skill, and it's taken me a long time to get this, and I'm good to do whatever you want. So. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's gonna be a great fight. Yeah, I just I want to see the fight again. Yeah, I I would love to see the fight again. I thought the fight was fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, I doubt that it's gonna be in Japan though. Yeah, uh, that Japan card is gonna be an expensive card just with the Fedor and Rampage. Those guys, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's a hefty tab right there. And so, you know, adding a championship fight on top of it with it, I'd, I yeah. I would really doubt it. But I, I cannot wait to see that fight. The only reason why I think maybe that it won't be as ex that possibly could happen is that, from what I understand, the Japanese will be paying for their for their fighters to fight, not not Bellator. So I think the way that the, the pay is done is that they'll pay for their own fighters' purses, and then Bellator will pay for their fighters. So if they do a good co-main event, which would be Lovato and and Musasi, obviously Bellator would pay both those guys because they're under contract. So if if Ryzen is paying their fighters, that would ease some of the pain. I think you know. Um, uh, I don't know. It's be awful painful with that main event. Man. Yeah, that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be an expensive one. But that's an expensive one. That's gonna be a lot of history in that in that uh, cage though that night. So next up, Dave. 
All right, next question is, uh, what do you guys think will happen at, Be at Bellator's welterweight division after the Grand Prix is over? That's from a Russian person whose name I cannot pronounce. Okay. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of activity. First off, Bellator's bringing in some new blood, and they're they're they've got a couple of guys, and one is you know uh, Amazov. That guy's undefeated still, and he's what twenty, either twenty one or twenty two and zero now. Yeah, uh, undefeated think, in Bellator. What's that? Yeah, I think he's twenty one and zero. And uh, you know he's a guy that you can look at for the title. Lorenz Larkin coming off of a good win against Korshkov, he gets another win. You know he's he's a guy looking at you know a chance at that title. And Douglas Lima has already faced him once. Rory has not. So depending upon who ends up being the uh, welterweight champion at the end of the. Uh, you know the week coming up here. You know there's a lot of there's a lot of openings there with the grand with the Grand Prix. It's taken some of the fighters away, but now that this final fight is, there's a lot of guys that have been sitting on the sidelines. So I think it opens it up where those guys are going to get a chance, at possibly getting a shot at that title and a lot of good matchups. Yeah, I think I think we could potentially see. I don't know if we will, but we could potentially see uh, the dust settle, and we could potentially see. Uh, John Fitch and Roy McDonald fight again if Roy loses to see to settle that score of it being a draw. We could see that. It will. I don't. I don't think that they will offer John Fitch a rematch if it's a title shot. Just my personal yeah. opinion. Uh, but I agree. If, but if Roy does lose in a three round fight, let's see him fight. You know what I mean? And see who can win in the three round fight. Uh, but I do agree with you. What uh, Amazov? Absolutely, yeah. just a just a freak of nature. Yeah. Just you have na to. nasty good, just nasty good. So I'm excited. Like the young guys are coming up, but I mean, it's gonna. I think it makes for. Uh, it, but it opens the door for the for the uh, 145 pound well, uh, World Grand Prix to just slide in there and just take over as far as the welterweight division. We'll see. The dust let the dust settle. Next, uh, Jao Medeiros asks: Is Pedro Carvalho going to be the first Portuguese champion of a major MMA organization? And do you see <laughs> champ material in him? Uh, I, I I don't <clears throat> I don't think he gets past Patricio. I mean, I like him. I think he's tough. I think he's very good. I don't think he gets past. Very skilled. I don't think I think he's very good. He's good. He's, and the way he handled Sam Cecilia was very smart. He was losing in the first part of the fight, but he just weathered the storm, stayed composed, and then he just let him picked, throw big bombs. Picked up the pace and just outworked him towards the end, and then the the, the you know, and then was able to to get you know to to win the fight. Patricio is a different, just a different level, man. Um, no, I'm not saying people have no idea. Yeah, they don't. They don't get it. And I've rolled with him and trained with him here at, at my gym, and I'm just thinking to myself, "Wow, you're you're way better than I thought." Like yeah. when I roll, he's just rolling with you. He is so he's so strong. Yeah, and his jujitsu is actually technically really good. Yep. On top, he's super heavy. He's got a freaking squeeze on a guillotine choke that if he gets your neck, you're not going to get it back. Yeah, and. He's got power in his hands, and he is not a he is a guy that I will trade shots with you. I am not afraid to get hit, and I I will challenge anybody in this weight class. Go one for one with me, and I'll take that anytime. And I don't blame him because man, he's got power and he's got a chin. I mean, I I did the fight against Vishal that he got hurt, and he came back and knocked Vishal out. You know, he's got it all, yeah. and you know, even on the bad days. He's come out on top, and there's not a whole lot of guys that I can see in any place that can that, can, that are going to beat him. And right now, I don't know that Pedro 
Cavallo, Cavallo has enough experience in those deep waters because this is a five-round fight. I don't know if he's got enough to deal with Pitbull. Yeah, no, nothing to knock him, but just, to me, I feel like Patricio yeah. is uh, ahead of the game on everybody else in this. He's just got too much experience. The confidence level right now is at the all-time high after knocking out Michael Chandler. And um, and then coming off and then beating um, Juan Archuleta the way he did, he dominated from beginning to end. He dominated that yep. fight. Um, so yeah, I I agree. I, agree. I, I don't think I don't think he will. I, he may he may be champion later on. But oh yeah, not possible. Not right now. Yeah. <clears throat> how many more? You how much more time you got? Five minutes? Ten minutes? Whatever. Eight. Okay. Come on, baby. All right. Um, organic supercomputer asks, hey, um, who who would you match up? During their prime, even if they were in different weight classes, example Gus versus Mitrion. Who would I match up in their prime? Even if they're not in the same weight class, BJ Penn and Khabib. <laughs> That's the same weight class, goddammit. But it would be, it'd be that <laughs> that to me would be the fight. The BJ Penn with the flexibility and the and just the submit. You take the BJ Penn that fought <clears throat> Carl Uno, um, Dean Thomas. And those guys, that young buck, or even I would even say, even the one that fought Sean Shirt, Kenny Florian, uh, Diego Sanchez, that one, I think it makes for a very, very interesting fight. the the ability to, the 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 ability to balance on one foot, stuff to take down. His con, my concern with BJ has always been, and it's always been, is the conditioning. And, Khabib, and that's the and, difference and, in that fight. And Khabib has it. Um, yep, but. The thing is, is BJ, though, if you watch the Gomi fight, you watch a lot of the other fights in the younger fight, he's got a great he's got a great uh, blast double. He's physically strong. If he did get him down, taking the back, he saw it with Matt Hughes. He takes the back. He took the back better than anyone. And he got on your back. It's done. I mean, like you could see, I could see him getting to Khabib's back and potentially getting the submission that way. Outside of everything else, it'd be a little bit harder. But I just think, to me, and I'm a big, I'm a big BJ Penn Homer fan, and I'm a, we know that I'm, I'm a big Khabib fan because I train with him, and uh, but that to me that's a fight that I would love to see. I can understand it. What about you, John? I, I, you know, if I was going to be able to take anybody at any time right now, that's that's such, I, I'd already said the one that I always wanted to see was Cain uh, Velasquez against Fedor. I thought that would be just an incredible fight. Yeah. But if I'm going to look at uh, current day right now, you know, if I was to take him. One right now in his prime against uh, another. I would love to see Anderson Silva against Michael Venom Page. I think it would just be a fun fight to watch. Now there'd be a lot of antics going on, yeah. <laughs> but I, but the way their styles match up and everything, I would really be interested in that fight. It would be fun, but they're at different weight classes too. Yeah, I I, I agree. I agree. I also think I also think the Jose Aldo and Patricio fight would be good. Well, I would love to see that. And I, I think that's a fight that actually should happen just just for like the 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 bragging rights in Brazil. Yeah. I would love to see it, but I, I'm not sure that'll ever happen because I know uh, I think Jose just signed another contract with uh, the UFC, so they'll have to get traded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Yep. Uh, Josh Vance asks, uh, do you guys think Ad uh, that Adam Boric is going to smoke Caldwell? We all seen in the Pico fight, he stays very patient when a strong wrestler like Pico was holding him down, but he didn't take much damage at all uh, in that fight. And Caldwell is a lay and pray guy, which makes me think it's going to be a boring-ass fight like Caldwell-Horiguchi fight. 
What do you think? Tom? I do not think it's going to be a boring fight. I actually think that's going to be a good fight. I think, you know, everything is dependent upon certain skill sets, certain body types, and where someone's strong compared to a previous opponent will say, uh, Darion is going to have to change his approach if he's taking somebody to the ground, if he fights Adam Borch and takes him to the ground, he's got to change the entire approach that he's been having in his last couple of fights as far as output and how he attacks him. If he tries to do the same thing with Borch, Borch is going to get him. You know, Borch is young, talented, and he is as far as a young guy with not that much experience when you're looking at the big realm, but he's got a lot of fights between amateur and pro, but his fight IQ is extremely high mm-hmm. and his patience, which is the hardest thing to get a young fighter to be is patient. He's shown that he's very patient. He's composed. He knows when to explode, when not to, he showed that against Pico. He showed it against Pat when he fought Pat Curran in the first round. This kid is special. He's good. And he's going to give Caldwell hell in that fight. Yeah, he's going to make Darian Caldwell work so hard. Darian's going to get yep. tired probably at the end of the first round versus the second and the third like he normally does. I think. And this it, is a five-round fight. And not to mention that Darian at 135 was always the biggest guy. Now he's just an average-sized guy. Borks is huge. He's tall, yep. long, lanky, and when you talk to the guys at his camp, they all talk about how fast he is despite what he made people think. They're like, he's fast. And I need I remind you guys, he trains with Michael Johnson, he trains with Kamar Usman, he trains with Saul Rogers, he trains with guys that are fast. You know, and they've all Michael said, Chandler. Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler said, Oh my God, he's fast. And, and so, Chandler's fast. And Chandler's pretty explosive and fast as yep. well. So yeah, to me, I feel that if he, as long as he makes Darian work in the first two rounds, I think I think the fight ends up kind of being a, an easier fight for him. If he does what Henry Corrales does and just stands on the ah. outside and just kind of tries to land one big shot, Darian can do that all day. I think Darian can yeah. just, you know, and so I don't think it's going to be a boring fight at all. I think Borks is not the type of guy to try and make it a boring fight. He's going to try to take the fight right to him. And if he does that, he's going to make Darian work really hard and Darian's going to get tired. I haven't seen, I, I've watched all of Adam's fights. I haven't seen one that's boring. He's been explosive yeah. in every one of them. There's moments where you might not be like, well, I want more. Yeah. Okay, you can't you can't be going full speed in a fight the whole time. Yeah. He's very smart, very patient, and he hasn't been in any boring fights, and I don't expect this one to be one either. Got him. All right, my man, well, we're going to wrap this up. Sounds good. All right. And, uh, you know, we are headed to Connecticut this week. We will be doing two podcasts while we're out there uh, with, with uh, Jordan out there. So we're going to do that. And we will talk about, we will drop them probably on what we're going to film Wednesday, drop one on Thursday, the day before the Friday fight, drop the other one on, on Friday for the Saturday fight. We have two fights in Connecticut at Mohican Sun. You guys make sure you guys two tune show. in. Two shows, sorry. Two shows, not two fights. Every, yeah, I two wish it was shows. two fights. I could do a whole lot less prep. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, all right, my man. Well, hey, you have a good time tonight. Enjoy your, the rest of your weekend. And we will touch base again soon. And I will see you in Connecticut, my man. Sounds good, brother. Pleasure. Talk to you soon. Later. Bye.